Hey siblings, welcome back to another episode of Agape Answers. Today's episode I am extremely excited for because the topic is relevant to, I think, quite a few of you. So I hope you are as excited as I am as we discuss post-grad God's way. Today's guest, I'm so, so overjoyed that she took the time out of her schedule to join us because she too recognizes that this decision-making season should have faith as a fundamental mental element. So I hope that you stick around and let's get started. Reverend Tiffany Brooks was born and raised in Queens, New York, and completed her undergraduate degree in kinesiology at the University of Maryland College Park. She then went on to complete and receive her Master of Education degree in Education Policy, Curriculum, and Instruction from American University. She completed her Master of Divinity degree at Wesley Theological Seminary and is currently serving as the minister to young adults at Reed Temple AME Church. When she is not serving in the church space, she is developing curriculum for different nonprofit education organizations, consulting with education innovators, and working professionally at WAMU, the DMV's local NPR radio station. Trigger warnings for today's episode include depression and anxiety, and I hope that you can feel the love. All right. Hello. Good morning. I am here back on the Agape Answers podcast with Reverend Tiffany Brooks, who is discussing with us post-grad God's way. I'm so excited to be joined by her this morning. She's a wonderful, wonderful woman of God who is patient with me. As you can see, I'm in a different location because I jumped to a room where we couldn't hear someone mowing the lawn outside and she was just patient and wonderful. So I thank her, Um, but we're going to dive right in. So please tell us about yourself. Okay, so for the purposes of this particular episode, um, I am from Queens, New York and how I got here is school. Uh, Well, to the DMV area, because I don't know where we are. Um, So I went for undergrad, I went to the University of Maryland College Park where I received a bachelor's degree in kinesiological sciences. Um, And then I took like a two year gap to kind of figure out what it was that I really wanted to do because I didn't want to do medicine anymore. Um, Did city year, decided I loved education, had wonderful experiences in city year. Um, Well, my particular experiences were wonderful. Um, I went to American University to receive my master's degree in education policy and leadership and also curriculum and instruction. It was by the grace of God that I was able to do all of that. And then I went to Wesley Theological Seminary to get my master's of divinity degree. And so as you can see, I am a mixed bag of just stuff. Um, but that's essentially a little bit about me. Absolutely. Absolutely sufficient. Thank you for sharing a bit of your story. I think even the terminology of post-grad can mean a lot of different things, specifically to someone with multiple degrees. So we can start from the undergraduate lens or even high school um, if you'd like. Um, But what was your post-grad experience like, um, at least the first time where you feel like it was a substantial change in your life? I would say after undergrad, to be honest, because I had wanted to be a doctor my entire life. Um, I wanted to be a cardiovascular surgeon. I wanted to be a physical therapist. I wanted to be a PA. Like, even though I changed several times, I knew I wanted to be a doctor. So my life really did not change until 
I would say my senior year of college, maybe my junior year, um, I interned and I was just like, wow, I don't know if I like this. I don't know if I like this as much as I did. And the crazy part is prior to that internship, I had done like medicine programs and, you know, in high school and in a middle school guide to doctors programs and stuff like that. Um, and I was fortunate to have parents that would be able to have me experience those things. So I was just like, no, I'm gonna be a doctor. Then that all changed my senior year. A lot of things happened when I was an undergrad, my mom passed away. So it was just a lot of sorting and figuring out life. But one thing I knew was like, I don't want to do this, but I got to figure out what it is that I want to do. So at that time, the post-grad experience was very, I felt like a fish out of water almost because I'm just like, okay, this is what you wanted to do your entire life. Now what? Like, how do you figure that out? And so that was a journey. And then I would say that was a journey. My first master's degree, I pretty much knew what I wanted to do. So it wasn't hard. Um, so that was actually very smooth. Um, and it was not until seminary when things kind of got a little ruffled again. Um, seminary is a very interesting place. I would say that, but it, it was a lot of course correcting and redefining, but God has been gracious to allow me to be able to utilize all of my skills in the space that I am currently in. Maybe not so much my undergraduate degree, but life after that in this space, I have been able to do education and theology together. And so it all works out, but post-grad, undergrad, man. <laughs> I was just about to ask. So you raised so many important kind of points that I want to hit on. First, I know a lot of people who experience this like, why am I in undergrad? I don't know. I'm not going to use my degree. I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. Um, do, what would you say to them in like advising them to either kind of not throw away the entire experience? Um, it's still something fulfilling and worthwhile that you should do, or do you feel, or do you come from the school of thought that it's not for everyone? Um, how would you speak to that emotion? I come from the school of thought that it is not for everyone. I think that people are oftentimes shuffled and forced into spaces by outside forces. And I say outside forces because it's a variety of things, right? Um, but it's not for everyone. It, it really is not. And we have to stop trying to force people into our own ideals and boxes of what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing. Now, will I always be an advocate for education? Yes. Will I always be an advocate for knowledge acquiring? Yes. But what I have come to learn and know is that undergrad and college ain't for everybody, especially depending on what you're doing. Like I know people that I know a lot of people who actually don't use their undergraduate degrees unless they're like, it depends on the profession. And even still, right, it's okay to do this four years of something and change your mind. It is okay to be in the, when I started out in undergrad, even though I knew I wanted to be a doctor, my major was journalism. 
all over the place. <laughs> all over the place, right? And then I was like, no, just go back to your original plan, girl. And look where that got me. You know what? It was really okay. During that time, it was like, ooh. And I wish that I had the mindset that I have today. Like, it's really okay to change your mind, but it's also understanding that that's a privilege too. Absolutely. It's a privilege to be able to change your mind. It's a privilege to be able to say, I don't want to do this anymore, so I'm going to go here. And so it's important to to understand where you are and where you're at. But if you want to change your mind and you're not passionate about something, because more than likely what you're not passionate about is also not purposeful. Mm, okay. Beautiful transition. Beautiful transition. Snaps, snaps. Love that. Um, fantastic. No, so good. So good. Um, I love that. It's completely okay to change your mind. Um, and that I think tugging that we feel when we want to change our mind comes from a place outside of ourselves, which I think um, is a beautiful transition to our next question. So how did your faith inform your decision-making after graduation? Ooh, I literally had no other options. It's it's part of knowing yourself, right? Um, and I will try to use up every option and possibility that I can. I've learned from it now as I've gotten older, but unfortunately then it was like, nah, something go, something something has to work or something got to work. Um, it was not until I literally was fresh out of options for me. And my faith had to be activated because I didn't have nothing else. It was like, yo, what are you doing? You don't know. You have tried to, you have ran yourself ragged trying to figure it out. Just lean on God. But it's unfortunate that I got there towards the end versus me thinking, what would life have been like during that time if I had immediately jumped to faith, right? And not to say that we don't get nervous or anxious right? Because not being young and not knowing what's next in a society that continues to try to tell you what's next, and you're getting all these images in your mind. And, you know, when I was an undergrad, that was from 2008 to 2012. Times look a lot different these days. Social media was not that popping then. Um, but even still, there were still images coming, telling me what I had to do, what I needed to do. And a lot of me had adopted that. So it was not until the end where my faith became super crucial. Like my faith was almost conditional. Like I know this is going to work out because it has always worked out for me. I know it's going to do it. But in essence, when I look back at it, there was a confidence that I had but I did not really have the faith that we hear, that we know about biblically. I didn't really have that kind of faith because if I had that kind of faith, I would have gone from this is going to work because I know it's going to work to this is going to work. But if it doesn't, it's still going to work. Like that's the difference. And so, like I said, I wish I had that mindset at the onset because I feel like you know, and things work together. We praise God, but I feel like I would have handled things a lot differently. What's this now? Over 10, whew, 10 years ago. But it was not until the end of it all, till I ran out of options. And, you know, if it was on the other end, um, that would have been a lot wiser. Yeah, I completely get where you're coming from. And that's why I love like talking to 
friends and mentors that are a couple, you know, years my senior that would say, hey, like, don't run around in circles. Don't make the same mistakes I made. And obviously, we still have to go through our lives and learn things sometimes for ourselves. But I think I love that distinction that you made, that faith that's conditional versus the faith that says, if I'm redirected, I know it's still working out for my good. So my question, I feel like this is kind of a funny question now that you say um, it was kind of decided for you is what I'm hearing. Um, But what did confirmation look like for you when discerning those next steps? How did you know, and I guess, Sometimes we don't know, but um, have you ever experienced um, what's described as confirmation? Like, okay, I I feel like I'm on the right path. Let me keep pursuing this. I have, and it was not until I really got serious about God. Confirmation for me came in a variety of ways. It came in people, um, experiences. It came in opportunities but really, really boiled down to is being able to discern and hear the voice of God. Like there is this particular knowing that I cannot describe the feeling, um, but it's this knowing that, okay, I am on the right track. I am on the right path. I am doing, I am going and headed in the right direction. Um, and like I said, it's a undescri- it's an indescribable feeling. to to be quite honest with you, but confirmation for me came in a number of ways. But again, I will always go back to like, I even remember prayers and I still pray this, like, Lord, if this is you, um, show me in the way that I would best interpret that this is you, you know, how I hear you, uh, you know, how I see you, you know, how I will be able to identify that this is you. So I am trusting that if I am headed in the right direction, if I am going in the right way, that you will let me know in a way that would be just more like, it's just like, it, this gotta be God, this is God. And so confirmation again, looked like so many things for me, but it was really that like inherent knowing like, okay. This, this got to be you, God, because there's no other way. And so that's what confirmation looked like for me. But I, I spent time journaling. I spent time with God, right? I spent time reading my word and being intentional about understanding the ways in which the Lord communicates with me, with Tiffany Bianca, in the way that the Lord knows that I would listen, I would know and have that reassurance. So I guess on top of that, um, what other practices would you advise, you know, young people who are having difficulty during this transition to adopt? I would say, so my advice would be to learn to prioritize rest now and taking Sabbath. Learn it and put it into practice because that will be, I think, we are in a culture that's so used to going, 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 and we don't take breaks and we don't take time to really get to know ourselves. And we don't spend time getting to know not just ourselves, but how God sees us and views us and wants us to operate and move. So prioritize rest, do things that you enjoy, that brings you joy. Like you got to put one thing I always say to people too, which I remember a friend reminded me of this. One thing you always got to protect is your peace. And it's not just your peace, 
but it's being intentional about creating environments and spaces where the peace of God is always present, right? Regardless of what's happening, but do things you enjoy. Um, no one is too young for therapy. Go to therapy, talk to someone, Have talk to a mentor, go to therapy, see a professional, right? Seek professional help. But also if you know someone that is similar to you or headed in the direction that you're trying to head into um, or has been in the same space that you have been in, talk to them, right? Um, hang out with your friends, talk to your friends, trust it, be discerning, trusted friends. Um, but those would be a few things that I would say, but that, that Sabbath and that rest thing, super important key to learn and to adopt, not to be in the cycle of overproduction. So I think the problem too, is we get caught up in always having to produce, and sometimes God is just like, yeah, I just want you to sit still because I want to talk to you about the next steps. I want to talk to you about the next moves you need to make. I want to I want to talk to you about where you're headed next, but you're always trying to overproduce sometimes in spaces that you either don't belong in or have been in for too long. And mm. that's sometimes how we get stuck too. And so we have to be intentional about time, especially when we're young, because let me tell you, the older you get, and I'm still young, you know, just a different kind of young. I'm 30s young now, but I'm still young. But honestly, if I would have prioritized rest then, I would have known how to operate better in a lot of professional spaces, right? Like, no, I'm sorry, I can't do this. It's my rest day. If you want me to be able to be productive here, I need to take this Sabbath. Um, and so my prayer would be that in the midst of all that is happening, that, and I say we, because I include myself in that, because it's something I'm constantly learning, is that we don't get distracted and that we remain not on just the things that we have to do or are engaged in, but that we remain focused on God and, and what God wants us to do and where God is leading us and that we are intentional about that focus and that we are discerning. Um, because there are so many things that are at play that's trying to take us off of where we're supposed to be and doing and going and who we're supposed to be engaged with. But it's also that we embrace the fullness and the grace of God. That it's okay to, in this journey, make mistakes. We're human. It's okay to not know sometimes. And sometimes not knowing is the best walking with God in whatever way that looks like and being okay. But also lastly, which is super important that we don't get distracted by what other people are or are not doing. That we don't get up caught up in comparison, that we don't get caught up, especially when, if it's someone who like me has a different pathway than what typically the norm is, um, not to get, especially if you know your path is like one of those, like, whoo, it's different from what the norm looks like, to not get distracted and caught up in this person is doing this, this person is doing that. But also that we would get off of social media sometimes. Social media plays a lot into 
how we view ourselves and what we're doing and how we're doing it. And people forget that social media is literally people's highlight reels and that oftentimes people got to take four and five and 10 and 15 of the same scene or scenario just to craft it for <laughs> just to craft it for other people's consumption. And it's like, no, enjoy life, make mistakes. It's OK. You'll be fine. But to literally just have the grace of God to stay in our lanes and to be okay with whatever path and direction that God has taken us. You are really speaking to my heart today, um, Reverend Tiffany. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it today because, wow, um, the need to always produce, the need to always be busy really is um, the plight of our generation. Uh, my next question would be, have you ever experienced um, anything along the lines of the post-bachelor's blues or post-grad depression? We know that it's very real moving from a space where you were constantly producing, constantly working towards something, and now you're no longer doing that. So did you ever experience that? And if you did, how did you combat that? I have experienced that before. I have um, especially because for me, one of the things that I've always struggled with, even as a child, is anxiety. Um, so typically for people like me, we overthink, <laughs> but we always try to have the solution first to what we think is going to happen. And so coming from that space, it's this always wanting to know, always needing to know. And when you don't have that certainty and when you don't know, it causes a response and a reaction. And so I've had, I've had therapy. I'm still in therapy. I go to therapy. So from the professional therapy standpoint, I was given tools and resources to help me to, um, to help me navigate what anxiety looks like in my world and to help me uh, navigate that space when I am having an anxiety attack. For and so therapy was my main go-to, to be quite honest with you, and it helped me a lot. But it was also having a good support system that I could talk to and lean on um, in those seasons because I went to school three times. Um, and so I say seasons because that post-grad feeling of anxiety and depression and stuff sometimes doesn't happen right after graduation. Sometimes it could come, let's say, six months later. And for example, you don't have a job lined up yet, but all your classmates or friends do. Um, it could come a year later if you are working a job and you just happen to feel inside your spirit that that's not the place that you belong to. So I think post-grad depression can show up in any space and time, but it's important to have the right and proper tools and support systems to be able to navigate what that looks like. And that's what I had. My support system was also my family. My support system was friends. My support system was my therapist. Uh, my support system was the tools and resources given to me to be able to navigate those waters um, and to get to a space of okayness of not knowing everything and not needing to know everything. Um, because it's in those moments where you outpour and share, and then you have that support to help you navigate what you shared and what you poured out, but also to pour back into you. 
Um, my next question would be, as a person with a range of different interests, how did you navigate finding opportunities that fulfilled you? Um, I know personally, I feel called in a lot of different areas sometimes, and um, or I guess called is a word I'm trying to be better about. I feel like I like a lot of different things. Um, so how do you navigate um, finding opportunities that fulfill you um, when you enjoy so many different things? Um, I tell everybody do all the things. If you have the privilege and access, do all the things. If you like something, try it. And if you don't like it, it's okay, move on. Um, do all the things. <laughs> Who told us we could not do all the things? There's so much to do. You can literally do all the things. If you think you like crocheting, try crocheting. The only way you'll figure out what you don't like and what you're not passionate about is if you try it. Do all the things. How I found the opportunities to, like talking about in my professional career, one, having people that had my back, okay? And that was putting me on and vice versa. Like, yo, I saw this thing. I think you would be really good for it. And vice versa. Hey, yo, Tiff, I saw this thing. I think you would be very perfect for it. You got to talk your friends up. You got to talk your circle up. Like, talk your friends up. Like, one of my best friends is a doctor, and I will promise you, I think she's certified in every field you can imagine. And she's always like, girl. <laughs> and I'm like, look, I just be hyping you up. One of my best friends is a bomb makeup artist. Hello, let me... Hype up your friends. And that's how I found a lot of opportunities. But it was also, once I leaned into what I knew I was passionate about and what I loved, every opportunity that I sought was in alignment with that passion, was in alignment with that love. So I know that I love working in education. So the opportunities that I'm going to look for are going to be around education. And as you continue to do those opportunities, you really begin to hone in on what it is that you love. So it was like, I taught in the classroom, which was great. I developed the curriculum and realized I love developing curriculums more. So how do I find opportunities where I can do that? And then it moved into like consulting work and all these other amazing things. And it still doesn't neglect purpose. And I'm passionate about it. And it's a million things to do. But it's because I literally, if I like something and want to do it, Tiff going to try it. And that's how she going to know if she really like it or if she really like it or not. And if I don't like it, then we're not going to go there no more. I love that for Tiff. I love that for her. I love that we're talking about her in the third person. Tiff is, you know, Tiff is dope. Tiff is green light. <laughs> she said, okay, Lord, love that. Love that for all of us. So um, that concludes our questions that I had prepared, but I did want to ask, um, if you are willing to share a prayer for our listeners today as they grapple with all the different things we discussed today, I just would love to extend that floor to you now if you're comfortable. Dang, people always got to pray just because I'm a rib. No, I'm kidding. I'll pray. You know, I'm always like, everybody can pray, guys. The Lord listens to everyone. For all of y'all, listen, I'm completely joking. I do not mind praying for folks. Prayer is the key, Okay. Um, but yes, let us bow our heads and close our eyes. Exercise discernment, please. <laughs> right. Like if you, if you can drive with your eyes closed, that's a different kind of faith. <laughs> I would like to have it. Thanks. But yeah, let's go into prayer. Lord, you have been so gracious and kind 
uh, and we are just grateful for it. We are thankful for how you continue to bless us and keep us and watch over us. We are thankful for you just being you and always being you, unwavering, unchanging, but always just being present <laughs> in the midst of all that is happening in our own lives. I want to pray for those who are discerning where you would have them to go post-graduation, that you would make it clear the direction that you have for them, but that even if they feel like they are in a season of silence, that they are reminded what I have been taught from Dr. Asa Lee, always follow the last thing that God has told you. So I pray that they lean into what it is that you have spoken to them, whether it be through you directly, whether it be through people or opportunities or whatever variety of ways that they continue to lean and trust in you in this time. I pray for those who are seeking direction and clarity, who are going into the next steps in life, whether it be entering college or determining whether or not they want to go to college. Give them discernment and wisdom as well for how they should navigate that space, but give them the supports needed and necessary around them to be able to do that journey with joy and that they feel supported and that they feel uplifted. I pray for those who are dealing with anxiety and depression, that you guide them to the resources that they need and the tools that they need to navigate that space in life, but that it's not debilitating, but that it is strengthening and helping them to walk more faithfully in you. Uh, if there's any prayer point that I missed, Lord, you know the needs of your listeners and your hearers, so I pray that they be met. But overall, I pray for increased discernment and wisdom in every season of their lives. I pray you enjoyed our discussion today and felt the agape love all up in the building. If you want to be locked in with this love, join me back here next month. And if you do not have a church home, I'd love to connect you with one. So please take advantage of the ways to connect with me listed in the description. Welcome to the family love bug. And remember, God loves you. And so do I. We'll talk soon. Bye.